You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Net- Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. The program is broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network and I'd like to extend my congratulations to all those community radio stations, especially in New South Wales and Victoria, which are now broadcasting under lockdown conditions. It makes things difficult, but we continue to broadcast, we continue to analyse what's happening around us and we continue to be part and parcel, an important part and parcel of the social, cultural and political fabric of this nation. So, what's anarchy all about? Ah, very simple. Anarchos without rulers, about creating a society without rulers. Why do we want to create a society without rulers? Because when you've got rulers, you've got inequalities in power and wealth. When you have inequalities in power and wealth, you have the ridiculous situation as we have in Australia, where this country's resources are the private property of a handful of individuals. We can't... uh, even come up with a treaty with this country's First Nations people, over 700,000 children living in poverty, and the list goes on and on. Come on, folks. 25 million people living on a resource-rich continent, and we can't even get it right. So it's inequalities in power and wealth which we're against. So if you're involved in the struggle to devolve share power and in the struggle to create and share wealth, you're an anarchist. I'm sorry. I don't care what you call yourself. You're an anarchist. You've got the mark of Cain on your back. Right. Now, what I'd like to do today is do a COVID-19 update. And I think it's important we do a COVID-19 update as uh, every state or most states are now uh, battling the Delta variant of COVID-19. I think it's important that we go back to the beginning and go through all the steps and bring a bit of sanity into this debate because what tends to happen in the main, well, not where the mainstream media, what seems to happen in the alternative media, you know, the government guild at ABC and the corporate owned media is they seem to jump, you know, on, on the topic of the day, on the topic of the day, you know, the number of cases. And they, nobody gives you a, a broad perspective on what's happening. Let's, let's start. Now, what's a pandemic? A pandemic is a simple concept, it's the fact that some type of virus or bacteria, usually a virus, infects the world, okay? That's a pandemic. It's a worldwide event. I mean, 
they don't respect borders, silly little viruses. They don't respect borders. So that's what the pandemic is. How did this one start? Have we had pandemics in the past? We have had many, 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 many pandemics in the past. And these pandemics have destroyed civilizations, upended uh, uh, people in authority, and the list goes on and on. Think of the bubonic plague. 60% of Western Europe died within an 18-month period. 60%. goes on and on. Our, the last big pandemic was the influenza uh, pandemic in 1918-1919, which killed over 50 million people, double what died in the World War I, which preceded in a few years before that. So that's a pandemic. So we've had... Now, how do human beings... Before all these fancy vaccinations and antibiotics and antiviral agents, how did human beings cope with pandemics? Well, they died. They quarantined themselves. That's it. It was all about quarantine. If you live in a capital city or a major uh, city on the uh, on the coast, have a look at its history, and you'll notice there'll be a quarantine station was established at the entrance to all the major cities. Because as boats came in, as they brought across typhoid, tetanus, tuberculosis, smallpox, if you were sick, you're offloaded at a quarantine station and you either lived or died. So people understood that the best way to survive a pandemic was to quarantine yourself. Close the door, close the shutters. So what's all this got to do with COVID-19 today in 2021? Well, in December 2019, that's why we call it COVID-19, because it was discovered in 2019, a little virus turned up in Wuhan in China. Now, the Chinese authorities were a little bit concerned, and obviously the local government bungled what was going on. And the debate has been ever since... Did it originate from animals or was it an experiment gone wrong? Now, most of the evidence points to the fact that most likely it was a transmission from animal to humans. That's most of the evidence. Not all the evidence, but most of the evidence. Now, obviously, how it originated doesn't really matter at the end of the day because what matters is how as communities and societies and as a nation states and as a planet, we respond to the threat, and COVID-19 is a threat. So what happened is it spread quickly. In the good old days before air transport, it could take months before a virus or a bacteria spread globally and became a pandemic. With air transport, we've been able to go from one end of the world to the other in 24 hours. It didn't take long for COVID-19 to take a hold around the planet. So what is COVID-19? Well, COVID-19 is basically a respiratory virus. It belongs to a family. It's a respiratory virus. And because we as human beings had never been exposed to this particular respiratory virus, we have no defence system. Our autoimmune system provides defence against diseases to which we've been exposed to. To put it in a nutshell, when the colonisers came to Australia, when the colonisers came to South America and North America, 
the diseases which they had some resistance to, which they brought with them, did the colonisers' job. If you look at some of the early accounts of the Port Jackson Botany Bay settlement, you'll see accounts of the beaches being littered with the bodies of Aboriginals who had contracted smallpox who died in their droves. And when you look at the the uh, journals of the so-called explorers who found things that other people had been living on for 60,000 years, it was quite obvious that the diseases, especially smallpox, preceded their entry. And if you look at the Victorian history, I mean, as... Um, human hovel wandered down, they saw that many of the indigenous groups had been devastated by disease and that many of the survivors had smallpox scars on them. So viruses tend to spread rapidly. So what's that got to do with us in the 21st century? Well, here we were faced with a pandemic and we knew it would come to Australia, and it came to Australia relatively quickly because of air travel. It's that simple. But we'd forgotten our lessons. We'd forgotten the lessons of 12 years previously when there was this, the SARS scared, which kind of died out. We'd forgotten the lessons. We had governments, both at the state and federal level, dilly-dallying, making obvious mistakes, quarantine people in the CBD, not setting up quarantine stations, taking ages and ages to recommend people wear masks because it is a respiratory disease and most of the transmission occurs through droplets and aerosol, a little bit through contact, but mostly through droplet and aerosols, and you think it would would have made sense. I mean, I was wearing a mask since March 2020 for that very reason. It's a respiratory virus. So we have seen... Huge debate in the community about is COVID-19 real? Does it exist? All you've got to do is look at the graves, the mass graves around the world. It is real. It exists. It kills people. COVID-19 is interesting because it has its major impact on those who are weak and those who are elderly. It's like any virus. It attacks the weakest. I mean, that's the way it goes. In the good old days, we used to call pneumonia the elderly's friend because it would come every winter. Influenza would come every winter. People would die in their droves and it was mainly the elderly because the young had the strength to survive. This is pre-antibiotic days. So where are we now? Well, we've seen continual bungling especially by the federal government, in terms of dealing with this threat, refusing to take responsibility as the national government to create a national response. Now, COVID-19 is much, much more deadly and much more immediate than any so-called Chinese or Russian threat, although listening to the Morrison-led Liberal National Coalition, you would think that's the threat that we face now, you know, in late July 2021. 
It's the Chinese, not COVID-19. And we've seen them drop the ball on numerous occasions. The dilemma is, when it comes to COVID-19, irrespective of what people are saying, it's real. And the only protection you have is you either lock yourself away and not see any human being, apart maybe from immediate family members, and hope the disease doesn't come into your little neck of the woods, or you vaccinate. Yes, the V word, the vaccination word, the word that sends shivers down people's spines. Now, anybody has to look at 19th century history and look at 20th century history, especially late 20th century history, to see the difference that vaccination makes to the lives and welfare of billions of people. It's not a debate. That debate was held years ago. Now, nobody is saying that vaccination doesn't have risks. As I keep saying on this program, every time you cross the road, we have a cup of coffee, you take a risk. Every time you take a medicine, you take a risk. Every time you eat something, you take a risk. So it's a balancing act between risk and benefit. And we want to use a terminology. It's a risk-benefit analysis. Now, everybody, especially in Victoria, which is going through its fifth lockdown, and especially the people of Greater Sydney and Greater Sydney, which are going through a long-term lockdown, are groaning at the fact that they're locking lockdown. But at the same time, we are not seeing this rush for vaccination. Because if we want to live a normal life, inverted commas, we need the population to be vaccinated. Especially those sections of the population which work with people who are susceptible to the worst problems that COVID-19 can create. Now, if you look at the numbers in New South Wales, they're quite interesting because if you look at the number of infections, it's not very high, about 1,400 because of their containment policies. But you look at the number that are in hospital, the number that are in intensive care, and then a number that are on ventilators, you can understand how serious this problem is. Even with a 1% mortality rate, even with a 1% mortality rate, and the usual mortality rate in unvaccinated people is anywhere between 2 to 4%, you'd be looking at about a quarter of a million Australians dead within a few months. It's that simple. So I've had my first vaccination. My second vaccination is due on the 31st of July. It's AstraZeneca. Now, the vaccination, let's be clear, all vaccines have potential side effects. But what's happened in this particular situation is the AstraZeneca debate has gone viral in terms of the nature of the side effects. And when you look at the side effects, which is the clotting defect, and the way it can be treated and the mortality rate, which is one in a million, I've got a greater chance when I have my second injection on the 31st of July of winning Tats Lotto, which I'd love to do, 
than dying from an AstraZeneca infection. But I do have a very good chance as I'm approaching 70 and have a number of health issues. I do have a very good chance if I'm fully vaccinated and I catch the disease of not getting sick enough to go to hospital or end up on a ventilator or be buried somewhere and have you all laugh or cry at my death. You know? So it's an individual choice. And there will be consequences for people who don't vaccinate. Because as the number of people who vaccinate increases, the number of people who don't vaccinate will be at an increased risk of getting very sick and dying as COVID-19 takes hold in the community. Now, we've had influenza for many, many years and it caused a lot of problems. But with widespread vaccination the death rates from influenza have decreased markedly. Now, COVID-19 is not going to go away. It's a virus. It wants to live. It wants to survive. It mutates. It changes. That's why we've got so-called variants. But ultimately, we will come to an accommodation as human beings, as we had in the past, with different uh, diseases, which are now almost historical, will come to an accommodation. They'll, it'll survive, will survive with minimal problems. So let's look at the vaccination once again, because I think it's important that if we want to live a relatively normal lifestyle, that people do vaccinate. And I've seen some of the most abysmal garbage being peddled about the dangers of vaccination. I've been amazed at the penetration this garbage has had in the community. But then when I think about it, when we saw the Liberal National Party win the last federal election, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it explains a lot of things because, see, this government hasn't put this country on a war footing. It's put this country on a war footing as far as Afghanistan was concerned and Vietnam was concerned and the Chinese are concerned and the Russians are concerned and mobilises billions of dollars of wasted money. But it hasn't put this country on a war footing regarding the greatest threat that we face of COVID-19 pandemic. And to a significant degree, we have been relatively lucky. One, we're isolated, therefore we have... We don't have land borders with other countries where the disease can just spread across those land borders. And two, many of the provisions which have been put in place have halted the spread. But now we are victims of the fact that we did so well as a community in halting the spread of COVID-19 in the community, which means, one, we have no immunity... And if you're not vaccinated, you have no immunity to this particular disease. Now, does this vaccination mean I can't catch COVID-19? No. I have a 60 to 70% chance of catching COVID-19 if I'm exposed to it, if I'm vaccinated. But what it does mean, I've got a 90 to 97% chance of not ending up in hospital or on a ventilator or dying because I'm vaccinated compared to somebody who's not vaccinated. Now, if people want to take the personal risk, that's up to them. But I don't want to hear any complaints from people later on saying, oh, maybe I should have listened. 
Because what I, do, do we do we as society believe garbage? Have we forgotten our rational senses? I mean, it's extraordinary. In a period where we see gross inequalities and very rich billionaires shooting up into space because of the profits they've extracted from uh, consumers and their workers, and you know who I'm talking about, we don't seem to see some popular mass movement grow out of this growing inequality. All we seem to see is people running down little rabbit holes telling us about this and that and this, focusing their energies on crap. It's extraordinary. It's quite extraordinary. So if you're listening to this program, my suggestion to you is get vaccinated. You protect yourself, your family, your friends, your community, and you'll be able to get back into a reasonable lifestyle because we want to be able to shake this society, not reinforce much of the garbage that this society is based on. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano, and um, that's that. All right, that's my COVID-19 update. So we're in a very fortunate position. We can deal with it. We're a first world country. We have vaccinations. You know, you may say there is a uh, lack of it as far as certain brands are concerned, but it's there. Unfortunately, as we saw with the privatisation of the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories by Mr Keating in the mid-90s, sold of $292, $292 million, worth almost a trillion these days, shares up to $300 each. They were sold for $2.90 originally. I should have bought a few thousand, never did. So... When you don't have a Commonwealth Serum Laboratory, when you don't have a state... And, you know, the Commonwealth Serum Laboratory was actually established in 1914 by the Labor government in 1914 to provide Australians with vaccines which are coming in line at that particular point in time and to privatise the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories in the mid 1990s, as far as I'm concerned, is a criminal act. And this criminal act has gone around the world, where we now see in the Western world the so-called liberal democracies, you know, the centres of capitalism. We have now seen private corporations selling their particular COVID-19 vaccination to national governments who are paying through the nose for these vaccinations. When if we had our own CSL, not only could we have patented, not only could we have created a new vaccine, we could have actually had the whole population vaccinated by now, all those who wanted to be vaccinated, obviously some don't want to be, but that's their problem the whole population would have been vaccinated. But no, no, we decided to go down the privatisation pathway and now we're paying the price. Now, some very good news. Very good news. Now, I'm sure most of you know nothing about Greenland. 
well, I nearly got there a few years ago, but uh, it was it was <laughs> it couldn't. The flight was turned back because it was just so windy. So something extraordinary has happened in Greenland, but I'll give you a little bit of uh, background on Greenland. Uh, just in case you're not familiar with it. Well, obviously, it's the world's biggest island. It's not a continent, it's an island. It's the world's biggest island. But it's the least populated island, uh, part of the earth, basically. There are about 56,000 people living in Greenland. Not many. Now, Greenland isn't an independent state, but it has some autonomy. It is actually part of the Kingdom of Denmark. And what we saw as far as Greenland was concerned, we saw the Vikings come across about a thousand years ago and they established a number of settlements which lasted a few centuries, but then they just all disappeared. And at the same time as the Vikings were coming across, the Inuit, <coughs> the indigenous people of uh, north, northern Canada and northern Russia and northern Europe, had come across and were uh, setting up settlements in Greenland in about, was it 1721, the uh, Danish authorities annexed Greenland as part of uh, as part of Denmark. Now, currently, of those 56,000 people who live in Greenland, which is an autonomous, self-governing community, the only power they don't have is the power regarding foreign affairs and defence, which is still held by the Danish Parliament, although they have two representatives in the Danish Parliament. Now, there's been a number of interesting developments in Greenland. Now, Greenland, you may remember that Mr. Trump wanted to buy Greenland, just like the Americans bought Alaska from the uh, Russians in the 1870s. So he wanted to buy uh, Greenland because one of the largest and most important US military bases existed Full Air Base, T-H-U-L-E Air Base in Greenland. And in 2020, it was uh, it became the Space Force Command Centre. Remember when Mr Trump wanted us to have war outside planet Earth? Space Force Command Centre. But Greenland has had a number of interesting political parties because 90% of the Green population are basically Indigenous people. They are Inuit. About 10% are born in Denmark. Now, this small community of people has an independent parliament which makes decisions regarding mining. And Greenland is in the news because it's an area that has untipped potential as far as exploitation of national of uh, natural resources are concerned rare earth oil uranium all the stuff that modern capitalism needs to keep you know producing more greenhouse emissions and there was an election recently in Greenland which you may not have been aware of and the Inuit uh, Sorry about my pronunciation here. The Inuit Atakwatigit Party has won power. What does that mean? It means community of the people. The Inuit Atakwatigit Party 
has one power. And why is it one power? Because the Arctic ice is melting. And what is the community of the People's Party? It was formed in the 1970s as a direct result of the protest movement which swept Europe in the 60s and early 70s. And although they've been a political party since uh, the early 70s, which is almost 50 years, they've had minimal impact as far as parliamentary representation is concerned. At one stage they only had two seats in a in a parliament of 31 seats, but now they've got a slim majority. They obtained 36.6% of the vote and have been able to form government. So what are the decisions they've made that's caused consternation among the so-called first world, which needs these rare earths, oil and uranium to continue functioning? Well, they've made some radical decisions, very radical decisions. They have banned oil exploration. This happened in the last few weeks. They have banned exploration for uranium and they've put a halt to the development of a rare earth mine which was going to have devastating consequences for the for the uh, island's indigenous community. Now, obviously, they are under extraordinary pressure currently. And I'm asking our listeners to do something, especially all our keyboard warriors out there, because the Inuit Atakwatigit Party, the Community of the People Party, is a democratic party, a socialist party and a separatist party. It wants to separate from Denmark and be completely independent and control its own defence and foreign relationships because obviously the US base in Greenland has always been a fawn in the side of Greenlanders. Think about it. If you're a keyboard warrior, why don't you look them up? Send them an email congratulating them on their decisions to address the issue of the climate emergency. They're at the forefront, like Torres Strait Islanders are in Australia and the people of Kiribati and the other low-lying Pacific islands off the shores of Australia. They're at the forefront. Their countries are going to disappear because of the greenhouse emergency. But this particular political party is now which is democratic, socialist and separatist, the community of the People Party, has now one power in Greenland. How long they'll be able to remain in power, who knows. But I think it's important that the, pe- that the people of the world don't forget what they're doing and acknowledge them for what they are doing. So if you're a keyboard warrior... Get out there and send messages of support. Get your friends to send messages of support to the Inuit Atakwatit Party. And I'll I'll spell it out so you can look it up and do what you have to do because I think it's important to remember that we are part of an international community. The climate emergency in COVID-19 highlights is we are one planet. We may be separated by religious belief, 
We may be separated by culture and language and manufactured nationalism, but ultimately we are one. We are human beings. We are one as far as the planet is concerned. When the planet is faced with issues which we create, whether it's COVID-19 or whether it's uh, the climate emergency, I think it's important that we support, no matter how small and insignificant we think that this particular movement is, that we support these movements, and especially if a movement is one parliamentary power and has made radical decisions regarding stopping mining in order to protect the planet. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Grab your keyboard, grab your pen. I'll uh, spell out the name of the party. It's Inuit, I-N-U-I-T. The uh, A, that's one word, Inuit, then A-T-A, 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 Q-A, A-T-A, Q-A, A-T-A, Q-A, T-I-G-I-T-T. So it's Inuit, A-T-A-Q-A-T-I-G-I-T-T. Obviously, sending a message of support is not going to change the balance of power as far as the world is concerned, but what it does is it highlights to these activists who've been fighting both parliamentary-wise and extra-parliamentary-wise, a little bit like PIBSI would like to do, public interest before corporate interest here in Australia, have used all the means at their disposal to protect their people from exploitation, to take control of their resources and develop them in the way that they think is best suited for them and the people of the world. And that's why they need to be supported. Uh, So I think a flood of emails, even letters, whatever, a flood of emails I think would would help in terms of bolstering their uh, confidence because obviously they'll be under extraordinary pressure from the Danish government and the US government, extraordinary pressure to change their decisions. They'll be under extraordinary, this is 56,000 people, because, as I said before, the parliamentary majority is slim, 16 of 31 seats. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. So, positive news in a COVID-19-ravaged world. You know we don't do it. You know that. We don't do it. Only the Russians and Chinese do it. You know that. I'm not talking about sex. <laughs> I have to laugh. I really have to laugh. I mean, sometimes they must think we are total idiots, morons, if we could lap up this garbage. And unfortunately, not that I'm calling my fellow Australians moron, unfortunately because of the constant propaganda, and it isn't propaganda, that we're going to be invaded by the Chinese and possibly the Russians. And don't forget that uh, this is nothing new. If you live in Victoria and you go to the Point Nepean, the cannons were put up there at the heads of, of the, uh, uh, in order to stop the Russian invasion, which never turned up. But uh, 
you know what? The Chinese do cyber attacks. Do you know that? And there's going to be two surveillance ships watching Australia and the US do military exercises. Did you know that? But we don't watch them do military exercises, do we? And we don't do cyber attacks. All those people who are involved in that particular department in ASIS, well, obviously all they do is play battleships all day because they've got nothing to do because they don't do cyber attacks. Come on. When are we going to stop believing all this garbage? Now, obviously the Chinese are flexing, the Chinese Communist Party is flexing its muscle. It's had its 100th birthday party. Maybe ossified but it's got a lot, a lot of military power behind it. But do you really think they're going to invade Australia? Come on, they don't need to invade Australia, they own Australia. And I'm not saying in terms of uh, resources, but I'm saying in terms of the this country's natural resources because they need this country's natural resources in order to continue... They're manufacturing because you know why the Chinese are so rich? Because of globalisation. Everything's gone offshore. And although I understand that everybody was, you know, Australia made, you know, a few months ago, it seems that uh, that's lost its gloss these days. I just heard that the uh, poor old factory in Shepparton, which has 10, which increased its production of masks at the behest of the government at the beginning of the pandemic, is now down to using... I think two of their ten machines because guess what? Everybody's buying their masks from overseas because they're a little bit cheaper, aren't they? It gets This is gets better. <laughs> this gets better. Look, I hate to be right. And there's one thing about being a radical activist. Usually you're more right than wrong. I know. You think I've got tickets of myself more front than Myers. Maybe you're right. But didn't we tell you that the nursing home... COVID-19 fiasco was due to the privatisation of the nursing, of the aged care sector? Well, there's little reports come out. Not a report, an actual publication in a respected medical journal, not one of these truncated uh, Royal Commission reports, but a respected medical journal. Guess what it found out? That large, privately owned, Metropolitan-based nursing homes who did not observe, that's right, who had not observed standards as far as their clients, in inverted commas, were concerned, were the focus of the COVID-19 deaths in Victoria. Whoop-be-woo. You know it. I know it. If had a Royal Commission into aged care, what's happened? Nothing. More money going into the pockets of the same providers. Let's move on. I mean, this should be called the Anarchist World This Week comedy show because if this wasn't real, (laughs) you'd be laughing. Now, the coalition, pork barrels on an industrial scale. Remember when the uh, Victorian Liberal Party, a few members of the... Victorian Liberal, sorry, of the Labor Party, as well as the Victorian Liberal Party, were found, uh, you know, pork barrelling as far as membership was concerned, you know, giving, paying people's membership fees and 
lining them up in the party so they could actually be re-elected in a particular factional dispute. Well, guess what? This pales in cons- into insignificance to the coalition's pork barrelling before the last federal election, which was a relatively close federal election, when you think about it. Car parks for marginal electorates. We talked about that. Sports routes, and the list goes on and on. It does have an effect. If you're not politically inclined, and there's an election on the horizon, and you hear that your local sporting club, which you've worked for for 20 years, is getting a bit of extra money from the coalition government, or if you're a commuter trying to get into the city to work, and you can't find a car park at your local thing, and you get keep getting um, tickets you know, from the local council parking offices, and you hear that the uh, government is going to build a bigger and better car park or give some money to your sporting club, it does have an effect on how people vote, and it worked beautifully. So congratulations, coalition government. Everybody's crying crocodile tears now. Remember, elections are not run fairly. They've never been run fairly in this country. I mean, you're forced to vote. Fair enough. You're forced to vote. Well, you're actually forced to go and have your name ticked off. You're actually not forced to put a mark or a number. But pork barrelling, it's brilliant. Brilliant concept. Let's see what, what we find for this next federal election. What will it be? Franking credits for everybody, including old age pensioners? Who knows? And I've noticed that Bitcoin has come into a bit of a hammering lately. I've always been a bit puzzled by Bitcoin because I've always thought that in capitalism, this is where I'm wrong, that something has to have some type of intrinsic value to prosper, you know? You need land, you need buildings, you need to monopolise the virtual world, you know. You need something. I mean, this chappy who went up into space, you know, got a lot of stores, so a lot of garbage around the world. Think about it. No intrinsic value. So if it's got no intrinsic value, well, maybe a problem. The main reason I'm talking about Bitcoin today is a friend, well, an acquaintance, I wouldn't call him a friend, just lost $85,000, you know, on the Bitcoin revolution. Remember, there's no intrinsic value to Bitcoin. You can't eat it. You can't sleep with it. You can't put it, a little bit like money, but at least money sometimes has some type of intrinsic value because we accept it as a mechanism of exchange. Now, I've been... Thinking lately, it is a dangerous thing, thinking. Because although the 19th of July, a few days ago, marked the, what was it, the 85th, that's right, 85th anniversary of the Spanish Revolution, because on the 19th of July, 1936, there was a military coup to overthrow an elected government, nothing unusual. But this time, the workers, under the influence of... uh, the uh, anarchist organisation which had grown in Spain in the last 60 years fought back and this was the beginning of the Spanish Civil War and the beginning of the 
implementation of anarchist ideas on a mass scale. So to me, it's an important day. Maybe to you, it doesn't really mean anything. But I think to myself, in the 21st century, what is it? What's the lifeblood of the 21st century ruling classes? What keeps them in power? What is the lifeblood? How can we be so educated, so intelligent, so living in the real world that we allow, as a people, we allow our natural resources to be exploited by a a minuscule minority for their advantage so we can get a few jobs, that we allow, and I'm sorry to say this again, over 700,000 children living in poverty in this country, that we allow people to be homeless, that we allow people to go hungry, that we believe this garbage, this nationalist garbage that's constantly rammed down our throats about the yellow peril which has been going on since the gold rushes in the 1850s, and that we have now lost, that's right, lost the ability to even think about radical change which allows us as a people to share power and share wealth. Of all the places on planet Earth, this is one country that shouldn't have one person living in poverty, shouldn't have one child living in poverty, that shouldn't have one homeless people person that shouldn't have 60 to 70 percent of the population living a hand-to-mouth existence relying on credit to survive what is it in the national character that allows us to elect and re-elect and elect and re-elect parliamentary parties which are basically cheer squads for that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. What is it that allows us to sit back and think that somehow things will change without our active participation? What is it that allows us to focus and put all our energies on little issues which may be very important to a small minority, but have no real impact on the way this society functions. And as I get older, I'm beginning to see there are links of why we are so docile and so willing to swallow the propaganda. One is superannuation because we're all worried about our superannuation at the end of the day. You know, I'd be very worried about your superannuation because most of it goes, half of it goes into the stock market, which goes up and down. We're all worried about our superannuation, so we've been incorporated into the capitalist system through the superannuation. We're all worried about losing our social security benefits. We're all worried about not being able to pay our hex debt. All worried about not being able to pay the rent or pay the mortgage. 
we're all worried about the person down the road who looks different to us, who, you know, maybe wears something on their heads or somebody who's of a different colour or has a different sexual orientation. They're the enemy, aren't they? But we never seem to be concerned about the fact that the gap between those who exercise power and those who centralise wealth in their hands grows and grows and grows and grows. And as I said before, I've said this a million times, but I'll say it again. 40 years ago, if you're an investor and you're invested in something which was profitable, 60, around two-thirds of that dollar, of a dollar, would go into the pockets of the workers who created that profit and one-third would go to your pocket. Today, 40 years later, it's the other way around. Two-third goes into the investor's pocket, one-third goes into the worker's pocket. So there has been a wholesale realignment as far as people are concerned. And there is a grudging acceptance that you can't fight City Hall, that you can't change things. And unfortunately, we seem to have become a a cynical society. I mean, cynicism is the lifeblood of those who exercise power. Hope is the very antithesis. Hope is the love child of desire and expectation, the desire for change and and the expectation that change will occur. We don't even have the desire for change. It's all about the desire to remain a cynical, carping, cringing, complaining consumer. We have lost our way as a people. And we have lost our way because we have been seduced by consumerism. We have allowed our lives to be dominated by an unrestrained, deregulated private sector. We have allowed the maxim of private investment for private profit to rule every aspect of our lives, whether it's entertainment, whether it's religious belief, whether it's culture, whether social media has accelerated this or not is debatable. But this is something that's been around for a long, long time. Consumers complain, citizens act. It's about time we stop thinking of ourselves as consumers. We're more than consumers. I mean, consumerism is what has brought us to this status today in 2021. The fact that we can't even deal with COVID-19 because most of the vaccines which are being used have been produced by privately owned corporations where the state has washed its hands of its responsibility to protect its citizens, not against a so-called Chinese invasion, but against the threat of a pandemic which is real, which is now, which is having devastating economic, social, cultural, psychological impact on the community. Everybody hoping that, you know, we'll have a V-shaped recovery. It'll all be good when the embargoes are lifted. 
So think about it. What do you want to be in life? A concerned citizen? Or a cynical, carping, complaining, cringing consumer? It reminds me of the old cartoon. You've got the, you know, the old worker on his knees doffing his head to his master saying, please. And then behind him you've got somebody who's standing up. Obviously there are consequences for standing up. There is always consequences for standing up. Even a so-called liberal democratic society, which has, you know, supposedly protections for the individual, though we don't have any constitutional protections in this country. But the fact is that without effort, nothing changes. Now look at this Inuit Atakwatit party, the Community of the People Party in Greenland. They've been in existence since 1975. Minimal, minimal success. Democratic, socialist, separatist. Minimal success. Situations change. People are looking for new ways of living outside the sphere of the private investment for private profit concepts which dominates every aspect of our living. If they can do it, why can't we do it? If they can do it, why can't we do it? And we can't do it because we continue to be, remain cynical, carping, cringing, complaining consumers. If you're offended by this, bad luck. A spade is a spade is a spade is a spade. And in the last 70 years of my existence on this planet, I have seen a lack of interest and drive in alternatives which challenge the power of those who continue to exercise power and amass wealth at the expense of all of us. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. If you're in COVID-19 lockdown like I am, best of luck. I'm sure you'll need it. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated as soon as possible. Why not? You can uh, you can go to YouTube, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You can go to the PIPSI website, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, PIPSI, net. You can always join us change the nature of the political debate see what's happening in Greensland we can do exactly the same thing ultimately political power doesn't come out of the barrel of a gun political power comes from an active engaged population who believe they and they only hold power in their hands it doesn't come from consumers it doesn't come from cynicism It comes from people who know that they are citizens, they have rights and responsibilities. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week to The Anarchist World This Week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. So it's up to us 
the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.